Hello, and welcome to the Daddy Saturday podcast. I'm your host, Justin Batt. I'm the founder and chief dad officer of Daddy Saturday and the Daddy Saturday Foundation. It's our goal here in this podcast to bring you the top tips, tricks, even dad hacks to help you be the most intentional and engaged dad you can be to raise good kids who become great adults. We've got a fabulous lineup of guests every single week we bring it to you. So I ask that you subscribe to the podcast using the link in the show notes and make sure you stay tuned each week for our amazing lineup of guests. Well, this week's guest is someone that I've known and respected for a long time. Uh, he is a Clemson Tiger, as am I, which most of you know if you know me or follow me. My favorite color is not just orange because it's my favorite color, it's because I'm a Clemson Tiger. And uh, this is one of my favorite Clemson Tigers. When I had the pleasure of attending Clemson from 99 to 2003, uh, Woody Dantzler, who's our guest today, was the star quarterback of the Clemson Tigers football team and led the Tigers to some amazing wins as well as some amazing stats on the field. But the thing that impresses me most about Woody is that he took what he learned on the field and has applied it off the field now in his own family, in business, and as well as in his own role as a father. And Woody's an incredible person. It's been my pleasure to get to know him and welcome him to the podcast. So Woody, glad to have you with us today. Justin, I really appreciate you having me. It's an honor. Tell us what it's like, go back to those Clemson days, what it was like to lead the Clemson Tigers as the star quarterback. <laughs> That's a very interesting question. What it was like, you know, I don't know if I ever took it as, I didn't realize what I was doing. I just knew that I was playing a game that was fun to me, and I was playing with a group that I loved to be around and I loved to play for. So it was just one of those things that, you know, I just with my natural uh, giftings, I kind of gravitate towards the front of the pack as the leader. But I never saw it as such. I just saw myself as another member of the team, enjoying what we do and enjoying one another. So let's talk about that, because I think that's an important piece of you're such a humble guy. And I appreciate that about you. And you always were when you played. and You still are today, clearly. And, um, you know, I had the pleasure of getting to know another rushing and passing quarterback who was my mentor for a long time before he, he passed away unfortunately his name was D Dallas and D was um, an, a star quarterback out of the Air Force and the one thing I always loved about D was he was so humble um, he reminds me a lot of you and you know that humility is one of the, the key things that made him successful both on and off the field and I love that you talk about the team component so what do you think it is that that you learn in terms of working together as a team that was so important because as a quarterback you know you're you're leading the effort out there but you know that team component is so important so what was it about the the team that you learned uh, when you were the star quarterback there at Clemson you learn that everybody has a role to play and if one person doesn't play their role you know you can actually malfunction the whole entire unit just think of it this way you got one of my you know my dream car is the is the Porsche Panamera? That car, fully loaded, could cost upwards a hundred and fifty thousand dollars, hundred and sixty thousand dollars. Some of them even go up two hundred thousand dollars. But that car costs all that money, all these parts. You think about it, driving on the road. There's a small nail in the road, hits that tire, disables that whole car. So one nail fractures the tire or bursts the tire. So now that whole car is disabled. That's just how a team is. You think about an offensive line, the, the run next to receivers. If one person don't do their job, you know, I can't do mine and vice versa. So everyone has to do their part in order for the team to function. 
Oh man, that, that is so good. And we're going to get back to that in a minute because that's a perfect bridge into parenting and the role of a father in the family. I think that's, that's so good. But I want to talk for a minute about, you know, you not, you not only played at Clemson, but you went into the NFL and you got to, to be one of the, the few to go to that next level, you know, the one percenters as we call them. And uh, what was the difference for you between the, the college game and uh, the pro game? It was so much easier. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. But I still had that mentality because most of my life I played quarterback. When I got to the league, they brought me in as a running back. So when I came in, it was like one position. That's awesome. So I don't know what I don't have to know what all the linemen are doing or all the receivers are doing. I just kind of need to know what I'm supposed to be doing as a running back. I may know a little bit from the offensive line because we do pass protection together. But for the most part, it was so easy because all I had to do was learn this. But again, I played quarterback all my life, and it's just one of those things that. I see the big picture anyway. I learned the whole thing, and it helped me make my job a whole lot easier as a running back. So it was it was really easy. Oh, man, that's 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 not what I expect you to say, but that makes sense based on transitioning from quarterback to running back. You know, not many people say it, that going from college to the pros gets easier, but I guess when you, <laughs> when you change positions, I could see how that would happen. So, so right, Woody, right. let's – Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about how this all applies to, to parenting, because I think you set us up really well to have that conversation. And there's mm -hmm. a lot of parallels between clearly being the quarterback of, of a football team and being the quarterback of a family, right, as a father. Um, yes. There's a lot of commonalities between that. Why don't you share a little bit about uh, your family with our audience, just so they know uh, the background there? Well, um, just hit a great milestone back on October 3rd. My wife and I have been married for 10 years so that's been an awesome, awesome accomplishment for us. We have two gorgeous daughters, Trinity, who's 16, and Zoe, who's 10. So our dynamic is one of – we know it's a, it's a team effort. We understand our, both of our strengths and our weaknesses, and we like that we complement one another in order to raise our children you know, in the best possible way to really steward their gifts and push them into their greatness and into their future. I love that. Well, you know, 10 years is an accomplishment in marriage, and you guys just hit that uh, the decade mark. So here's to another uh, many more decades together and um, two great daughters. You've got one that clearly is in that uh, teenage years and one that's a prenager about to hit that that margin. So, you know, you've gotten into the, the teenage years. And, you know, as you think about as the quarterback of your family, you know, clearly you're, you're playing a role where it, it is a team effort, right? And everyone's got a role, but as the yes. father – um, you know, a lot of times you're calling the plays, you're setting the precedent. I think that's something that we see today as we look at, we call it the fatherlessness epidemic, right? You got a bunch of dads mm. who are who are there in the home, they're physically present, but they're emotionally absent. They're not engaged. Um, right. So, you know, I think that that's where that parallel of being a quarterback in the home is so important. So talk about maybe some of the lessons that you learned from, from sports and how that's tied into uh, the way that you are a father and a, and a husband to your wife. Well, the biggest thing that I've learned is as as the one in that position, you have to take on this identity or this mentality that says, you know, it may not be my fault, but it's still my responsibility. Mm. So when you look at it that way, I don't have time to point the finger because every time something happens, it's always coming back to me no matter what, because either I let something happen or I miss something. Or I caused it to happen. So one of those three things happened. Either I missed it, didn't address it, or I, did, or I caused it to happen. 
So just being of that mindset, it gives it takes it gives you that full responsibility. So you're really working to make sure communication is key because that's the next point. Because once you realize that, you got to realize that communication is so key because I can say one thing and it can be heard differently. So understanding the communication styles of my wife, of my two totally different daughters, no different than being on the team. I talk one way to my offensive lineman. You know, I got to talk another way to the receiver, the running back. It's all different. I even communicate differently with the coaching staff. So just understanding communication style. So those two things, responsibility and communication, were two huge lessons that I learned. And also self-development. And that rounds everything out because either – another thing that I learned, either you're getting better or you're getting worse. You're not staying the same. So I'm constantly looking for ways to improve myself because I know the responsibility that lands on my shoulders is a great one. So I'm sure that I'm developed enough to carry the weight because a lot of people talk about the love of a mother but they miss the strength of the father. <laughs> oh man, we could, we could riff on that for a while. I think I'd love to dive into the piece about communication, if you will, because you, you said something that's so good and it's, it's so true. Right. And if you think about as in football, as the leader of a team, right. If somebody dropped a pass and, or made a mistake on the field, one of your wide receivers, let's say, or alignment that missed a block, um, clearly you're going to address um, those people differently based on, how you know their personality style is or how they need to be communicated with in order to get the result that you want, which is them not to make that same mistake again, right? Or to learn from it and move forward. Same thing with children, right? Where Mm -hmm. you respond differently to each of your two daughters based on their personality style, based on, and I've got a girl and three boys, right? So very different for me when you have that kind of a mix. So, so talk about that a little bit. Like, how do you, how do you determine what their communication style is? Or maybe an example that you've seen as a father where you've had to parent differently based on um, your assessment of how your, your children like to be coached. It's just one of those things of paying attention. You know, I didn't do a very good job early on at paying attention. I thought I was pretty smart and knew a lot and pretty laid back. So I didn't really go with the intentionality of really figuring out my children. I thought I knew how they were. Because especially with girls, as they grow and as they change, you know, their mood and how they need to be dealt with can change by the hour, by the situation, by the circumstance, you know. So you always have to be keen and tuned in. I mean, the core of who my daughters are, I know how to address them. But sometimes I do need to get a little bit more stern with them. One daughter I know, I can talk to her and is that is that. My other one, I'm going to have to be on her a little harder than the other. So. It's just, it's just a matter of how they're operating in that moment, what the situation is, you know, what the hour, just what happens, just being intentional about paying attention. And then also after the fact, you know, regrouping, having that film session, so to speak, with my wife, and we'll sit down, hey, uh, what do you think of how I address this? Or when you address that, you know, we kind of talk through it, you know, well, girls, this, this, and this, and she lays out some things that I may have missed, which will allow me to go back and address something that I may have missed or didn't clearly communicate earlier so it's being able to pay attention be intentional one of those intentionality is the communication between my wife and I because she is a female and she can give me better insight oh that is so good I'm stealing that from you about having a film session with my wife and I I do that all the time too right I I seek her counsel in terms of how I dealt with something or how I could have dealt with something better or you know did I miss something and um I never thought about it in this context of a film session, but that's exactly what it is. So we as fathers need to have those film sessions and analyze uh, the way that we dealt with our kids. 
So what do you yeah. – go ahead. No, I just say, yeah, and it vouchers for you because now you'll be – because you got boys as well. So you'll be the other side. So when your wife comes to you, hey, guys, boys, are this, this. So make sure when you're talking to him, don't don't give him – you do it this way, this way. And so it, it goes back and forth. Just for me, I just have two girls, so I don't get to bounce anything back off her every now and then. <laughs> I might get a little, a little sliver of something, but not all the time. That's right. Well, you know, and I, I found, too, that um, you mentioned that early on as a parent, you were just kind of laid back and you may not have been as observant or intentional as you wanted to be. And I think that we're all like that. Right. And that's one of the reasons why I started Daddy Saturday, because I found the same thing in my life. And um, I had two birthdays this week uh, for two of my kids. My daughter turned 12 and my son turned 10 this week. And I started to think about this, Woody. And I was like, you know, have I been a parent for 12 years? Or have I been a one-year-old parent 12 times, right? Wow. And yeah. that hit me so hard. And I'm like, gosh, you know, because in those early years, I feel like for so many of those years, I, I wasn't progressing as a parent the way that I wanted to. And so it was like I was a one-year-old parent, a one-year-old parent, a one-year-old parent. And then I started moving forward. And so I should have 12 years of parenting under my belt. But I, looking back, I really don't. I, I, I don't know. Does that strike you in any way? Yeah, that strikes me huge. And I, I, again, that goes with the intentionality because so many times we can go through the motions. It's like, what's that movie? What's that movie? I like doing al analogies. Oh, the movie Click with Adam Sandler. You know, he used to fast forward through his life fast, but next thing you know, it was just one of those things. Now he's he's old and gray and he don't remember any of his time with his family because he's just, it's been autonomous. He's just been an autonomic being moving through his life and he missed everything. And we can get into that rut or we can get into a situation, you know, as parents, as, as fathers, and just get a rut of going through the normal routine of day to day and you miss out on so much. So, yeah, we, and that's where the intentionality comes in. We got to be focused. Just like when we were on that field, we were focused about where we would put our foot, where we would step, how we would lift the weight, how we would look at the film. So all that intentionality that we use in, in perfecting our craft on the field you do the same thing, be it as a father, be it as a businessman, as a whatever career path you choose. You got to be intentional about what you're doing if you want to truly be great at it. It's absolutely right. So, Woody, you've you've also transitioned from um, your in your career a little bit, and now you've been doing a, a fair amount of your professional speaker, and you're traveling around. You've done a lot in the church circuit and the business space as well, and out in the community. And I'd love to talk to you for a minute about that. You know, what are some of the areas that you're speaking to your audiences around? And, you know, what do you feel are some of the topics that are really important to those that you're talking to? Well, one of my big things is um, just cracking individuals' heads open so that they can realize and understand how great they truly are. Because you got so many things with this bully culture, with social media and all these different things. And Again, again, the absence of the father not being there to give their kids this identity. So they're they're attaching themselves to anything that they think, you know, gives them what they think they're looking for, what they think they need. You know, so it's one of those things of really letting individuals realize who they are, whose they are, how great they are, how to tap into that energy and then walk in that greatness. Because once they begin to do that, they actually unconsciously allows others to do the same. So I really like to, you know, I kind of stay away from the motivational speaking because motivation only goes but so far. But it's a good thing. But what do you do after motivation that's beside it? So 
my one of my biggest things is is that letting them realize who they are and then two right actually i'll probably pull them on par is education you know being a, a lifelong learner really teaching people how to learn information to apply it and not memorizing it for the sake of passing the test you know so really understanding how you learn those are other things that i focus on when i'm talking to individuals because um those two are key understanding who you are and then understanding how you learn because that's how you truly become great that's so good so good. And, you know, I think that there's a lot that, that you can bring to the table too, just in terms of the fact that, you know, you're of anything I could call you just from observing you all those years at, at Clemson live is you're a gamer, right? And you understand the game of football and you understand the game of life. Game was on the line. You wanted the ball in Woody's hands. And there yeah. were several times I can think back to South Carolina game where, you know, y'all were down and, um, we came back and you threw a touchdown pass to Rod Gardner right at the end. And we won 16 to 14 and pulled that out against the Gamecocks, our arch rival. And then I, I remember the North Carolina or Georgia Tech game rather. And um, I think they were ranked pretty high and you were running and throwing all over the place. It was an overtime game and you won with a, a scamper there at the end for, for a touchdown and overtime to win it. So, you know, when the, when the game was on the line, we wanted the ball in Woody's hands. Um, and I think that that's one of those things where, you, know, you can teach people that same mentality by busting their head open and, and going after those concepts that you just talked about. Yeah, because it's all about the, everyone wants the moment, but they got everyone has to realize that there's a process to be prepared for the moment. No one wants the process. No one wants two a days. No one wants you know staying up late night reading that book, reading another chapter, or you know studying this or understanding this a little bit more better, getting some insight from a video or from a good friend or from no one wants to go through that process of getting where you want to go you think about walt disney you know walt then he dropped out of high school and you know he sold newspapers with his dad's company his dad told him that you know this is what we got to do now i mean they were poor and they laughed at his dream and what he wanted to do but he never stopped his process was a long one, but look at him now. No one's laughing at Walt Disney. They're laughing at some of the stuff in the shows that he put on, but as they laugh at the shows, he's smiling at the money in his bank account. So this one of those things of embracing the process. This It's a tough one. It's a hard one. It's going to be some ups, some downs. You're going to feel like you're, you're accomplishing, and then it's going to fall sometime, but you got to be resilient. You got to trust the process. And a lot of people miss their greatness because they can't take the process. Let me rephrase that. I won't say they can't take take the they can't take the process. They choose not to take the process because they they can take the process. They just choose not to. That's right. It's a mindset thing. Yes. Yeah. So many of us have a an invisible lid on what we're capable of that we we put on ourselves and we don't know what that um, true potential or capacity is until we break through it. And you know, I think that's what going back to that gamer mentality, right? You broke through right. so many of those barriers and thresholds in your playing days because you were willing to push the envelope, trust the process and make it happen when the game was on the line. Right. Case in point, just one of those things I like to tell this story just to give people insight about what it looks like. You know, I never wanted, I just wanted to be the best that I could possibly be. And that's all I wanted. I wasn't trying to be better than anyone else. I wasn't trying to be someone. I want to be the best version of me. And it got to a point to where, cause I knew what I was shotgun, no hug, my high school coach trained me as we were conditioned, he would have me talk because I need to learn how to train myself how to talk when I'm winded. 
So I was able to do that, but it got to a point that when we, I was in college, the conditioning was too easy for me. Honestly, I wasn't getting anything about it. So I talked to my coach about it, John Sis, big shouts out. And what he did was he said, this is what we're going to do. He decided he was going to blow the whistle. He's going to have two whistles. The first whistle was for, the, for, for my group. The second group, the first, second whistle was for me. So he blow the whistle, everybody take off, then he blow another whistle, and then I have to go catch everybody and still make my time. So you got to push yourself back to those perceived limits. And, you know, when you get to that point to where you're comfortable, you need to be uncomfortable in the comfortable and be comfortable with the uncomfortable. Oh, my gosh. I love that second whistle story. That is phenomenal. Uh, but what I love about it so much is that you were willing to come forward and say, look, I need more. And I think that's what separates you and separates others that are willing to go to the next level is that they, they have the self-awareness to say, I can do more. And you know how many people would just fall in with the pack and do, do the bare minimum or do what's expected of them. So that second whistle mentality is so important. Um, I love um, to, to trade a story real quick. My daughter does competitive hip hop dancing and she was in the back row and she's tall for her age. So that's part of it. But the other part is that she wasn't stepping up and stepping forward and, and trying to push the envelope and, and do more. And so I said, do you want to be back row or front row? And she said, well, I want to be front row. I said, well, what do you need to do to get there? She said, I don't know. And I said, well, you need to ask the right questions of the right person, meaning her instructor. Then you need to ask God to, to bless you. And you need to work your butt off then. And so she did. She asked the right questions of the right person. She, she prayed and then she started working her butt off. And guess what happened? Um, the instructor took notice. The head of the dance school took notice. They said, where has this girl been? Who is she? They started pushing her, basically the second whistle mentality. And now she's front row. And we draw that, our analogy instead of the second whistle is, do you want to be back row or front row? It's your choice, but you need to know what the steps are to get from the back row to the front row. And in life, it's the same thing, right? Are you willing to go to that second whistle? Or are you willing to go from back row to front row? Are you willing to do what it takes to get there? Well, Woody, as we wrap this up, I got two final questions for you. It's been a phenomenal conversation. Um, I would say um, the first question is more of a fun question. I ask all of my guests. And the second question um, will be more of a, a summary. So first question is, um, if you had a boat, Woody, and I'm talking like a, a boat that's big enough to put a name on the back of it, big enough for Lake Hartwell uh, to drive around, what would you name your boat? <laughs> <laughs> My boat would probably be named 1719. 1719. All right, give us the question yes. behind that. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm big on, like, when we're talking about education, talking about meanings. Uh, the, the number 17 is the biblical number for faith. I'm, I'm sorry. The number 17 is the biblical number for victory. And 19 is the biblical number for faith. So essentially 1719 means victory through faith. Awesome. Love it. And then the final question would be, um, if you had to look at your, um, our conversation today, and is there anything you want to leave with the listeners that maybe we didn't get to, or you want to just summarize, uh, what would that be? Ah, I just, Oh, I'll, I'll kind of talk on this. Cause I, I was listening to a song of an individual and he made a, he made a, it was a line in his song that struck me so profound. I actually posted it on our social media. And he said, if you made a list of people that you trusted, 
would your name be on it? And so that just led me to thinking so many people miss out on their moment, miss out on their process, miss out on their greatness because they just don't trust themselves. And if we would begin as a people to begin to trust ourselves, who we are, understand our true identity and really trust in who we are and just begin to work on that. Because I do another talk where I talk about, you know, the whole notion of whatever you do, whatever you can believe and, and, and whatever you believe and that you want to achieve, you can achieve it. You know, if you can believe it, you can achieve it, which is one of the biggest lies that we've been told because so many people say they want, they like me, I say, I want to be the next Michael Jackson. So I worked hard and I studied and I did practice. I tried to learn how to do the dances, but I was missing one major deal. I can't sing at all. So no matter how hard I practice, no matter how hard I work, no matter how hard I train, I'm not going to be the next Michael Jackson. So I got to give up on that dream. So I can't do anything I put into. But when I realize the gifts that I have and I work hard at those gifts, that's when I can do that thing. That's when I can be great in the gifts that I have. I can't be a great. I can't be great at a gift I don't have. So realizing our gifts, trusting those gifts, and then walking in them. That's so important, Woody. And what a great way to to end the conversation. Because if you think about intentionality, that sums it up as a parent. We touched on today how important it is to be observant and to to watch your children, to learn their personality style, and to learn what their gifting is. Right. And then as as their father, it's our job to encourage that, to foster that, to grow that, to help them pursue that with intensity and passion so that they are able to achieve what it is they're meant to achieve and change their own generation. So I love it. It's a perfect way to sum this up. And uh, man, it was a pleasure having you on and reconnecting. And I look forward to, I know that you and I are going to be connecting a little bit and have some opportunities up in Clemson together and, and potentially yes. on stage together. So I look forward to that in the future. So do I, man. This has been an honor. It's been a privilege. And I really thank you for this time to talk with you. I love conversation. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Well, thanks for listening. I appreciate all of you tuning in. As always, this is the Daddy Saturday podcast, where it's our goal to help you be an intentional, engaged parent to raise good kids who become great adults. Stay tuned until next time and make it a great Daddy Saturday.